Okay. Right. Uh, we're here for episode four of our podcast, The Podcasting Guild. Welcome back. And today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at Born to Purple, the third episode in the first season of Babylon 5. And with that, just a quick update on my search for a boom arm for my microphone here because it's still kind of just oh, flopped yeah. on the desk. I know everyone's waiting uh, on an update. I know. Waiting with bated breath even. So it turns out no one makes a boom microphone arm that fits with my desk, which is really annoying. <laughs> Sounds like you're, you're I... starting an advertisement for the boom mic company you just yes you just yeah. created yeah exactly we're gonna start a new business here unfortunately new business not. venture so no boom mic that's sad to hear no no boom mic but i did get a little stand so hopefully that will make well, it a bit for, easier for those of our listeners who were betting on a new boom mic this is this has to be disappointing yeah i think the vegas odds were very much in favor there but looks like you might have lost money on that one well yeah, how are you doing andrew I'm doing great. I don't have a Excellent. boom mic either, but yeah. we did have a boom episode, which is my yeah. way of saying this was a great episode. <laughs> yeah, why don't we dive into it then? Let's dive in. I'm excited to talk about it. I, first of all, I love the title of the episode, Born to the mm-hmm. Purple. Mm-hmm. A great a great historic reference, of course, to the Byzantine emperors who were you know, yep. clothed in purple cloth because purple is apparently expensive although i think the phrase lasted longer than the exclusivity of purple dye i don't know that for sure but i think that's true yeah and you know purple was the color of royalty for many many ages of humanity yes yes at least in at least in europe it was yeah yeah great episode great episode maybe my favorite opening scene uh, so far, which yeah, it's only the fourth episode, but I mean that. I mean, what to call it? It wasn't exactly a strip club, <laughs> but it wasn't super far off a gentleman's club. The gentleman's club that we open on, uh, and I love how you know, Lando and um, was it Narn? What's his name? Uh, uh, Jakar. 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 Londo and Jakar like hate each other, right? I mean, the last yeah. episodes established this this blood feud. Like Jakar was laughing about Londo's nephew being held hostage and whatnot, going up rants about how, uh, you know, whatever they're gonna yeah. they're gonna do bad things to him. Uh, and I love how now Lando is just like, guys, guys, sit down. Let me show you this piece of trim I've been watching. And yeah. he's like patting Jakar's arm like buddy. Oh man, you gotta see like you know, it's got real how I met your mother vibes. It's yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of a fun uh I don't know. I don't know yeah, a fun little sitcom y moment there. I thought mm-hmm. the arrival of his assistant, uh, and the spit take. So, you know, yeah. this this very sort of straight laced female assistant shows up to help him out. Uh, and introduces herself while he's taking a swig of like bright blue space liquor space uh, brandy yeah space <laughs> exactly space spirits uh and he does this wonderful spit take and then the rest of the scene you can just see his like face is glistening with whatever this, yeah. this stuff is uh so i don't i just love that scene from start to end i loved the 
you know, I love the wife catching you at the at the strip club sort of vibe that mm-hmm. the assistant <laughs> gave. Uh, you know, I I loved uh, Lando's kind of I don't know. Loved is a strong word, but I, it was a huge, a great characterization of like you know this dude uh, in love with the uh, in love with the showgirl. Yeah, and you know the the opener also uh, gave us a, a glimpse into what our old uh, protagonist uh, what's his name Sterling, Commander Sterling. Uh, he gets up. I mean, Sinclair, Sinclair. Sinclair. Oh my God. I'm sorry. You know, it's been a long day. I, I worked a full <laughs> work day today before watching this episode. So, look. Uh, sorry. Sinclair, yes, the main character of Bab 5 here. He really goes above and beyond the call in this episode. Oh yes, man, he does. does he get into some places that seem awfully weird for like someone on par with an ambassador in a military not just an ambassador but like a military commander yeah and oh man we'll get into it but he he got into it (laughs) uh so yeah any comments on that opening scene in the club yeah you know the go-go dancers um definitely i think something a lot of people probably could relate to i'm not saying i could necessarily but i'm saying a lot of people no could probably no relate you just went for the buffets that, so. i know that yeah I, the buffets I know and um obviously the uh architecture and the, the design and things like that right so um exactly but yeah architecture uh, design it <laughs> yes the aesthetics of the the, the surroundings right so but yeah. yeah it was it's a great way to start you know it's a great cold open as, as they call it in the business the credits roll and it really establishes this is going to be a londo centric episode right oh it's why i loved it londo centric londo my man londo mm-hmm. getting getting his in this episode yeah learning yep. a little growing a little uh yeah. handling it like a boss if i do say so myself yeah very true very true i do have to say there was there was a bit of uh you know a misogynistic veneer over this whole episode i mean it wasn't <laughs> wasn't that bad and for the yeah. time, I mean, this came out in the 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, 95, I think. 95, yes. No, I mean, yeah, definitely wasn't uh, the worst thing you'd find on TV mm-hmm. at the time. But I have to say, all the female characters are pretty, I wouldn't say passive, but definitely, you know, you know, <laughs> well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. There's a couple yeah. scenes that I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I would put this on TV nowadays. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, and, and to be sure, you know, it's kind of falling into a bit of a trope thing too, you know. Beautiful dancer falls for the mark that she's actually trying to get stuff from and things like that. It's true. It's got some classic tropes. Uh, I don't yeah. think it passes the, the Bechel or Bethel or whatever test. Bechtel uh, test. Bechtel, you got to work on your, you. your names, Andrew. You got to work on the what's name. His uh, what's his name? Uh, St. Petersburg? <laughs> Commander, Commander uh, Salvation Army? Yeah. Sinclair. Yeah, that's the one. That was that's a joke. Uh, my memory's fine, thank you. Anyway, <laughs> look, let's get into it while the episode yeah. is fresh in my mind. So, totally. great opener, great opener, classic. Uh, I don't know. I love. I just love the sitcomy feel. I mm-hmm. love that they kind of forgot they were really butting heads a lot, and I and I absolutely loved the the new assistant coming in and. Uh, her whole reaction that was wonderful mm. 
You know what else I loved who who really showed in this episode was Lando's sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I think immediately after the credits, we come into a conference right. room, which looked mm-hmm. uh, looks a lot like an interrogation room from like NCIS or, or Law and Order or something. Like yeah. it's this tiny room with a metal table and metal chairs and like a light over the table. It's it's very. <laughs> it's not a grand chamber for you know the negotiation between you know space space empires and lando's sidekick is like playing space game boy which is you know <laughs> basically like game boy but in space yeah uh, and it, oh my god is he playing it he's not like like it's a little ridiculous now because you know all like adults have cell phones and everyone knows what putzing on your phone looks like mm-hmm. but he's doing it like back in the day when only kids had game boys and and you know so it was like he's like spazzing out and shaking this this little you know off-brand game boy thing and like i just you know what kind of what kind of ambassador assistant like imagine if you were interning at the un and you were just like playing pokemon go in the middle of a council meeting like you know yeah well, he's like, I did my job. I asked him where he's at. He didn't answer the phone. Oh, I love that. I yeah, he's job. like, where? Where is your boss? He's like, I don't know. He didn't answer. He just keeps playing. He's like, uh, <laughs> well, ring him again. He's like, well, I already did. It's like, oh my god, what are you? <laughs> entire Republic yeah. not sending their best here. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, they don't like the Narn, so maybe that's an excuse, right? They're just sending their B team, if you will. To- yeah i think think you're right i think you're right uh space newman yeah as i call that assistant Uh, (laughs) i I mean you know he's excellent he's a he's a good bit of comic relief yeah and what turns out to be a somewhat i won't say dark episode but kind of emotional in some parts of it particularly with the bottom of a storyline yeah well i believe it you know torturing the comic relief is as a very common way to get a get a heart string puller episode for sure yeah okay so you know he's trying to ring lando he can't get a hold of him why can't get a hold of him because lando's a poon hound that's why <laughs> lando or lando look his mother named him lando i'm gonna call him lando uh he's he's lounging in bed he's lounging in bed like you know as i understand they're setting up that he's deeply in love but i mean yeah i mean we see these ambassadors abandon their basic duties (laughs) constantly i mean you know to be fair what guy hasn't made stupid decisions because of a pretty girl that he was into at some point right i mean let's be honest you know fair enough fair enough but you know the thing is he's acting like a teenager which makes it kind of ironic that at the end of the episode spoiler alert he's like i'm an old man i've had my heart broken before well you're not acting like an old man like Mm -hmm. you know sure i think i skipped class for a girl uh uh, you know in in college (laughs) maybe once or twice but like yeah you're you're in the capstone of your career here what are you doing man yeah Although this does lead to one of my favorite lines in the episode where uh, he answers the call from Veer finally. And he's like, what do you want, you moon-faced assassin of joy? <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. That was a great line. Moon-faced assassin of joy. Yeah, he had some He has some great ones. Yeah. When, when you know, after he got space roofied, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, again, spoiler alert, and the, the doorbell rings, he has some great, <laughs> uh, you know, 
space explicitives to yeah to yell there as well but let's talk about the b plot shall we yes uh which is bridge lady and garibaldi's love-hate relationship yep i thought there was some great character exploration in this b plot so basically it starts out with a rather confusingly contentious scene where garibaldi detects a a strange communication on a secure line right and he goes to the the bridge commander what's her name i don't even i didn't even forget it i don't think i know it ivanova is her name ivanova yeah and ivanova was kind of like you know pretty rude to him i would say (laughs) you know the episode does does eventually kind of explain why there might be some emotion in there but uh having watched the previous episode that was kind of in character for her at that time right she was also rude to talia when she tried to hey you know no, that's a great point. do that sort of thing so it's kind of in character this is kind of like she's always gruff but you kind of dig into it in this episode as to what might be the reason behind that yeah fair enough you know and i think gruff isn't inherently bad yeah i personally think that when you're managing teams some soft skills you know some social <laughs> uh, lubricating skills are not a bad thing to lubricant have. some social lubricant social yeah but not you know just being able to work with people that's the problem is her attitude is abrasive enough as to cause issues right Uh, and we'll dig into it i mean it's it's a sympathetic reason i i admit Mm -hmm. uh but i have to imagine that there were ways she could have addressed her needs without sort of you know misusing a highly secured secret as garibaldi explains channel Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably. I mean, if she had been of the sort to have brought up to Sinclair, I'm sure Sinclair would have been like, take whatever time you need, you know? Sinclair, you mean uh, Sevastopol? Yes, that's the one, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. okay, yeah. You're you're getting these names like right away, man. You're doing a good job. Yep, yep, yep. Thanks, 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 thanks. (laughs) And yeah, I'm going to run out of cities that start with S pretty pretty soon. Yeah, Yeah, Commander Sao Paulo would would not be thrilled if he heard about it. Yeah, but I think she's, they've also kind of painted the picture that she tends to internalize things a lot and she doesn't have a lot of outlets. And so she kind of is dealing with a lot of things internally, which I think as we've learned as a society over the last couple of decades, that's not a good thing, right? Um, I think this is kind of demonstrating that and kind of the early stages of kind of exploring what that does to people. And maybe that's part of an explanation for why she is the way she is. Well, I, you know, I dig it. I actually like her. I, I think she's one of the, uh, I think she's a great character. I like yeah. that she, uh, you know, her Russian heritage is a big part of her characterization. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of neat. I think, I, you know, it's, a, it's nice that they're showing that sort of the Earth delegation isn't just like the United States, but in space. Right. <laughs> a lot right. of, you know, a lot of uh, future set uh, sci-fi movies do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's nice that they have a, a few other, uh, you know, ethnic representations there. All right, so yeah, so so anyway, we already sort of gave some hints as to what the resolution is, but the the B plot is introduced with this sort of contentious scene where Garibaldi says there's a communications leak, and she I don't remember exactly what she said, but she you know she's like, well, there's no reason for us to talk about it then there then right. there is it, which is how she ended that conversation. Basically, you're hallucinating. Go away. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I think she says it must be a gremlin or, or a computer yeah. error. 
Mm-hmm. And I think after that, we, we get to the meaty bit of the A plot, yes. which is why exactly Londo has this hottie kebab uh, mm-hmm. making him late for conference meetings and negotiations and whatnot. And spoiler alert, it's not because Londo is just a smooth talker, although it, it turns out that they are genuinely affectionate. Uh, right. do have genuine affection for each other. But it turns out she's a slave to the to the true antagonist of this episode, mm-hmm. uh, whose name is, I wrote down his name, Trachis. Right. First try, you got it. Good job. Yeah, yeah. So track and field here <laughs> owns this woman. Right. And uh, that's pretty dark in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And is basically using his ownership of her to basically sexually exploit her pimp her out to get blackmail information which he conveniently uh you know uh, you know explains in detail essentially yeah, <laughs> yeah. a bit yeah. of word world building right there so <laughs> right 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 you know the villain has to explain their plan so yeah a great bit of exposition explaining what he's doing but you know they never really sort of they, they kind of let us know that she's his slave, and we know that right. she's sleeping with Londo at her owner's direction. But right. the sort of darkness that is that, you know, that that is human trafficking, basically. It is, yeah. And the show does not really address it like that. It, it is sort of just background to Londo's feelings about the situation and... Yeah. All they have the woman express is like, oh, I, I never meant to hurt you, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's all well and good. But it, it does seem to kind of gloss over what this experience would have been like from her perspective a right. bit. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think it is a bit of a missed opportunity to kind of explore that a little bit more. They kind of just throw it off as like, hey, this is a thing that is normal in the centauri republic right yeah fair enough a bit of world building and i think i think they wanted to give her a little bit less moral culpability by being like okay it wasn't really her fault like this this guy was controlling her but i don't i don't they didn't have to make her a slave being you know sexually trafficked uh and i think if they were going to make that choice the responsible thing to do was probably to like show that what a horrible thing that was and not just like another way to meet guys which is kind of how it came across yeah Uh, anyway all right end of my end of my criticism there (laughs) but okay so basically the thing the mission her mission is seducing londo to get the Mm -hmm. purple files which is basically the blackmail information that Londo and his family have for all right. the other important families of the Centauri Republic or Empire, yep. uh, which is an insane way for a government to be structured, by the way. It makes no sense, but okay, all right, let's go I with mean, that. I mean, if you look at, like, not necessarily ancient Rome, but, like, uh, during the merchant period of italy where you had like the the various merchant families ruling venice and stuff like that i'm sure they had something similar going on there Um, maybe not to the same level but no doubt no doubt uh but like you know the the show really it was like oh once they see these files 
<laughs> the thing is, if the society is set up like that, everyone sort of, at least at the high level, knows that the other families have skeletons in their closet. And right. like we know from living in the modern world the power of like propaganda and messaging yeah. and it's you know it seemed a little two-dimensional to be like as soon as i publish these files you're finished you know it's like well wait mm-hmm. if Wanda's family is ancient and powerful surely they have their own uh you know they got their their own version of fox news to be like these files are fake yeah. news right or you know <laughs> anyway yeah. so so yeah it did seem a little one-dimensional for the villain to be like and once i have the files then i'll control this entire republic <laughs> it's like oh yeah okay if you say so but anyway all of that to get to my real question which is why are the purple files on babylon 5 why are they in the swamp castle way out in the middle of nowhere that you know the ambassadors like shouldn't this be in lando's family's ancestral home or something why are they out here well, I think the the reason that you might have them out there is just so you can keep them close, so you can use them if something comes up, right? You don't want to have to trek across the galaxy to go get your purple files and, you know, I keep guess, your uh, I guess, valuable man. things close to you, right? But you know, you know how like every hotel room in uh, in Moscow close to the the embassies is bugged. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like why would you bring your most sensitive True. information into an environment? that you or you and your country don't control (laughs) yeah it's yeah that's fair it just seems a little loony um (laughs) anyway okay so why are the purple files on bab five excellent question andrew thanks (laughs) the other thing i have to say is londo is a real gentleman in this episode he is a proper gentleman yes yeah he's a proper gent buying buying that nice lady flowers you know even when he learns the truth he's very forgiving you know, I the yeah. more I learn about Londo, the more I like him. He's a he's a real one. You know, a little impulsive, yeah. a little unprofessional, uh, a little sleazy. I'm gonna say it. He's got <laughs> he's got just this air about him that's a little bit uh, a little bit skeezy. But I I have to say I really like Londo. Yeah, uh, he's the lovable sleazeball, right? He's a lovable sleazeball. He sure is. You know, I'm happy for him. He got he got his this episode. Way to go. Mm. But let's move on to to someone else who i did not approve of this episode okay and that is the psychic <laughs> you see the psychic was in a couple of these uh negotiations sorry eric yes. i'm sort of just trucking along here let me pause and see if you have any comments you'd like to contribute about these scenes i'm just i'm just chugging along here yeah i mean the whole aspect with conversation with Trachis and the love interest, right? So we have Adira Therese, the love interest. Adira, um, I was yes, kind of, yeah, I was kind of curious what you thought of the whole bald aesthetic. So that's a, a thing for Centauri women is they're all bald like that. Yeah, I mean, look, if this came out in 95, I think it was ahead of its time. Yeah. The, the bald aesthetic doesn't even seem especially exotic nowadays, but I dig it. I dig it. I see what Londo <laughs> saw in her. Yep, very much so. And then, yeah, they had that little conversation. And then the next scene, Sinclair meets with Talia, the residence telepath, at the fanciest restaurant on Babylon 5, Fresh Air. Yeah, <laughs> everyone <laughs> makes sure to to say out loud. <laughs> yes, everyone knows Fresh Air is the 
fancy place. Fancy, fancy. I love how fancy is like an objective measurement, and this is yeah. the fanciest. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. So, so, so the psychic Talia was present in the council meeting, and then we yep. hear her telling Commander Sacramento, uh, "Oh, Londo's thoughts were pretty erotic," <laughs> and I'm like, "Late, like, wait a minute." <laughs> You you had a whole scene in the previous episode explaining how it was super unethical for you to like read people's thoughts and you know and mm-hmm. divulge them and do things without their permission and here you're just being like oh yeah he was thinking about tail that meeting he was thinking about yeah oh he's just thinking about laying some laying some railroad track uh, you know. <laughs> I think think the proper expression is laying some pipe, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) What, what, like a plumber? I don't get it. Okay, yes, exactly like a plumber. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, again, it's like in some scenes... They, they seem to take these, you know, responsibility and ethical obligations, like, really seriously. But then they just mm-hmm. sort of casually violate them. You know, well, hearts. you know, Star Trek's no better. They constantly violate the Prime Directive on every episode. Oh, my God. Literally, yeah. Well, I mean, it becomes a running joke, practically, that yeah. they never once respect the Prime Directive. Unless, unless doing so would be an easy answer to the conundrum. Right. And then they can't. Right. Um, exactly no for sure um, but i think sure. i think we can maybe excuse talia because she was in a negotiation and her job there was to make sure they weren't lying um so maybe as part of that she caught on to some of uh lando's thoughts because he wasn't lying but he was just really horny <laughs> so that's yeah, where his thoughts no, went you're right you're right <laughs> you're right and honestly i feel I, I feel like lando wouldn't even mind to be real oh, with you like not. the kind of guy who tells his buddies not even his buddies he hated one of the dudes like oh have a sit down let's take a look at this at this hottie kebab i've been you know well never you mind what i've been doing but you know like uh group owners is is something i've never quite understood uh but (laughs) but londo is clearly more than comfortable sharing his Yes, his, his erotic interests with his guy pals. Yeah, <laughs> not not to mention that you know after she says that they pan over to Lando and he's just like sucking face at the other side of this restaurant. He he brought his his woman, the spy, yeah. uh, uh, to this restaurant, and I don't know if PDAs are a thing <laughs> in the Centauri Republic, but this dude, like, I would be uncomfortable. <laughs> if somebody was doing at a restaurant what these two were doing they were they were yeah. going at it yep i've been on both sides of that coin so <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if like the actor is playing londo and and uh the woman you know did it more subtly the first couple of times the director was like no no people aren't going to understand how horny you are londo you need to be like giving her a hickey you need to be like sucking her face off. Yeah. Uh, you have to feel um, what you're feeling, Londo. Come on, get exactly, into it. Exactly. Exactly. You don't have lines. You have to tell a story with your actions. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. This was a thirsty episode, wasn't it? This episode. It, had very, a much lot so. of... very much so. Very much so. Oh boy. So anyway, okay. Well, something, some a bit of exposition we missed is that in the scene. 
where our main antagonist, Mr. Track and Field, is threatening slash cajoling his slave to, to do the dirty deed. He tells her to use the a mind reading device. I think he called it a mind probe. A mind probe, right, right. Which in practice, which we'll see because I think after the dinner scene, uh, we go back to Londo's room where... You know, she does her final, uh, final seducting moves to to get at the files, and she basically just roofies them, space roofies. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Londo. And then we find out that the that the mind probe is basically just you know basically truth serum with a recording device, right? <laughs> Which you know, fair enough. And then uh, I guess so. And then she gets to the purple files. Sorry, we're, yep. I, I want to get to the to the part I really loved, and so we yep. have to we have to get through the what happens. So she gets at the files. He's passed out. He's space roofied. And then she, you know, looks back and says, "I'm so sorry." And then like, yeah, you know, wisps out of the room. Right. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll come in and fill some details. But basically, when he wakes up this raging hangover and goes to check the files <laughs> the computer very helpfully says access to purple files confirmed yep. it just made me realize how specific the computer voice on babylon 5 is yeah you know when when garibaldi was tracking the voice com or the what are the communication signal yeah the computer voice was just like you know straight up telling him oh yeah anomalous communication detected you know, mm-hmm. and, and sort of just expositioning. And here it's, you know, it may as well have told Londo, like, betrayal confirmed. <laughs> like, oh, you were wondering yeah. if someone checked your files? Yeah, they did. And now I'm not just going to display a message on the screen. I'm going to tell it to you. I'm going to tell yeah. it to you. So I just love the sort of space Alexis on Bab 5. I know it's been a staple of sci-fi, you know, ever since Star Trek, but... uh yeah. It is always amusing to me what what a character the space computer is because you can't mm-hmm. read the screens they need to they need to they need to tell you what's happening they need to tell you what's going on <laughs> even if it's like a high highly secure uh, environment like Garibaldi uh, you know it seems yeah. pretty impractical to have a voice say out loud <laughs> the presumably sensitive information that's on the screen yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to get to access to purple files confirmed. That was a great moment. Another great moment in this scene uh, was when Londo was woken up by the doorbell. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd written down what he yells at it. I think he was saying like, "You assassin, you villain, yeah, go away." Yeah. Oh, I love his, I love his swearing. It's in this kind of like, I don't look at like faux Transylvanian accent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great, and his assistant bursts in, who's also like yeah. Kramer style, like. Mm-hmm. like you know how he kind of staggers into the room yeah kind yeah. of like that and uh he's perfect because londa's got this hangover and the assistant's just like clapping his hands like oh <laughs> you asked me to wake you up what a great day oh, oh man i love i love space newman the assistant's yeah. just the best yeah it just reminds me of, like all those people in the office that are like really sunny and early morning people and i just get in there like don't fucking talk to me. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So I, I'm, I'm on the third week of a new job, and apparently this is the moment when people switch from sort of putting on their happy face every time they talk to you, 
just mm-hmm. you know being real with you and and, yeah. and being like oh man hey it's monday <laughs> fuck my yeah. life you know whereas for the first two weeks they, they gotta be like oh hi welcome to the team mm-hmm. you know so yeah i i feel that um i forgot what we were talking about I'm just I'm just chatting about my life here <laughs> yeah so we're going into the next scene here now that adira has the purple files she goes and contacts her owner, basically, Trachis, to to meet him to get the files, right? And so she goes to meet him, but then she kind of has a change of heart, right? Because she's developed feelings for Londo, and she runs away, and then Trachis tries to go follow her. This triggers the whole action-y, quote-unquote, part of the episode, uh, where we get to see one of my favorite characters in the episode, uh, the guy with the glasses. That guy was pretty <laughs> awesome. He's like straight out of like 80s action movie with his brown trench coat and his gloves and his glasses and his beard. It was pretty awesome, that guy. Oh, I think you mean one of the uh, one of the tough guys? One of the gunmen, yeah. That Oh, yeah. I know exactly who you mean. Off-brand Steven Seagal. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, with that, with that jet black goatee. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I, I'm glad you clocked him because I also clocked him. He... I'm surprised he's not a star. Yeah. I thought this would be, you know, like Jackie Chan and uh, Enter the Dragon where, you know, <laughs> the birth of some career before he blew up. But no, sadly, sadly, not a star. But yeah, that guy was great. I really enjoyed that guy. But I think yeah. you're getting a little ahead of yourself because that's during the, that's during the, uh, when, when Commander. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sinclair is trying to is trying to get to the the girl who's like hiding at her friend's place. Right. Look, anyway, I think you're getting ahead of yourself because first, uh, first, you're you're right. She's meeting her her boss, her pimp, really, uh, right. to give him the files. She has a change of heart, but she had a change of heart pretty late in the game, and he's literally like standing ten feet away from her and like sees her <laughs> yeah. turn and, and walk away. Like she should have had a change of heart thirty seconds earlier. Would have been fine. So she gets away partly by virtue that's a lot of people for you know track and field to bump into. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite moments of the episode happens when you know some he bumps into some guy who like clearly is rearing for a fight right you know and and (laughs) (laughs) track is like electrocutes him like prank handshake style yeah slash you know jedi master you know uh, emperor style and then (laughs) throws him very nicely onto like a pile of pillows well (laughs) it's funny because that was actually I think the same guy from the opening scene that I got beat up by too. the Narn Dude, attaché. He, yes, I, I think you're right. He, I think it was also the guy, was it the guy sort of buying flowers for that alien woman with the vertical <laughs> mouth that you didn't really want to think Maybe, about? yeah. Like, I think he's their go-to extra. I think he's the extra for everything. Yeah, He's the that extra guy. that gets beat up all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> i think so I, I don't know they had to have the electric the electric bit which is pretty bad cgi you know you could tell they just well, uh, yeah, yeah yeah uh they had to have that because 
he literally just got tossed onto like a giant pile of pillows. Like had he been thrown two feet to the left, he would have hit, you know, the concrete or whatever the floor mm-hmm. of the space station is made of. But no, luckily, Trachis <laughs> threw him onto, onto some pillows. Yeah, the stuntman got uh, an easy day that day on the set. Easy day. Well, and it was enough to let to let the woman escape for now. Yep. For now. For now. And and I have to admit, I missed some note taking in this episode. I was so enraptured yeah. with the action. So I apologize if I'm not going to get every scene here. Immediately following that, you know, Lando tries to go find Adira, right? Because he's like, "Where is she?" And she tries to call her, and then he's like. Okay, Veer, um, I'm going to go take care of some other stuff. You go negotiate for our country, and whatever you do, don't give away the home world. I'll be right back. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Yes, yes. And when he got to the negotiation table, he was like, hey, I'm going to negotiate. You have this entire public. And uh, Jakar flips out. And I think as a joke, it tells his assistant that she has yeah. negotiating power. I thought we were going to get a scene of them negotiating together. That would have been fun. <laughs> I was here for it. I couldn't believe they didn't do that. I thought that was like the obvious. Anyway, I was so disappointed we didn't get that scene. I was there. Uh, <laughs> what was the assistant's name? Is Vera? Vera is Londo's assistant. Vera. And then yeah. uh, what's uh, Jakar's assistant? Uh, that is, let me see here. I forgot. I'm never going to remember these. I don't remember real people's names, much less fictional people. <laughs> Kodath. Kodath is her name. Kodath. Kodath and Veer. Yep. I I am here advocating for a Kodath and Veer uh, love story. Yeah. <laughs> I think they should. I think they should pair off. I, lo- I yeah. love them both. They're, they're, they're such polar love. opposites. Yes. But they're such each such great foils to their respective yeah. ambassadors. They're mm-hmm. not even foils. I don't know. They they, they just complement them so well. Yeah, that was a great scene where they both gave their their underlings ambassadorial power because they just didn't want to deal. <laughs> didn't right. want to deal with it. Talk about a promotion, huh? <laughs> talk about a promotion for real. But let's talk about a demotion. Mostly yep. uh, the demotion of let's see, Commander uh, Commander uh, Scotland here. Uh, this demotion from commander to sleazy nightclub promoter yeah (laughs) so the the plan the best plan that these two giants of intellect could come up with londo and sinclair was to go to the gentleman's club where londo's love interest worked and basically ask to see the girls (laughs) (laughs) which lando tries the direct approach and when they're like yeah no that's not gonna happen which yeah like fair enough it seems like a huge Mm -hmm. security risk to let random people wander in off hours and uh, anyway and then sinclair busts out some like space mafia stuff (laughs) yeah and and like bluff checks rolls a nat 20 on his on his deception check (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like name drop some mob boss and this guy's like oh you know how to frame it. Like, you know tony he's like yeah. oh yeah tony's a bad motherfucker and he's like oh yeah tony is a bad motherfucker okay all right 
you can see the girls. And it's like, <laughs> it's like a video game. <laughs> I, I tell you one thing. He has uh, way better roles than my bard did in our D&D campaign last time. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he, I mean, Sinclair just rolled. It, it makes sense, right? He's probably got a fatty charisma score. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, big old charisma modifier, but still, he must have rolled high. Uh, <laughs> it's just yeah. so ridiculous, and I love that nobody recognizes him. He's in charge of this station, mm-hmm. but he puts on the the most paper thin. I don't even should I call it a disguise. It was sort of like a spacey trench coat. Trench. Coat. I don't know. It looked like something you would wear in the Civil War. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did look like something you'd wear in the Civil War. Yeah, it like buttoned to the side, but his face yeah. wasn't obscured. Like at least Londo yep. had a hood over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like the most Clark Kent to Superman disguise <laughs> I'd ever seen, where it's like yeah. one tiny article of clothing and he's like, Now no one will suspect mm-hmm. that I'm Commander Sacramento. It's like, dude, <laughs> dude. <laughs> well, I mean But it worked to be so fair. To, say. <laughs> to be fair. How many people can point out the mayor of Seattle on the street? You know, uh, fair, you know? fair enough. I think, <laughs> I think probably a more accurate analogy would be like how many people could recognize the captain of an aircraft carrier right. on the air. And I actually don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Like, does your random sailor know what the captain looks like? Probably. It's not that big. I mean, but you know, they're still probably. A but if they're out of uniform. Maybe they won't catch yeah, on. Yeah, wearing a Civil things, War so. Civil club War reenactor. <laughs> I'm just a Civil War reenactor down here looking yeah. for some girls. Walking with his ambassador friend with his hood up. I mean, come yeah. on, who whoever sees Londo with a hood up, you obviously yeah. wouldn't recognize him. Mm-hmm. You know, I also love that his whole bluff is, oh, we want to we want to hire some girls for uh you know for our own promotion you know he like he yeah. like tries to talk like he's like okay go inspect the girls and then we'll talk price it's like the whole thing yeah. is sleazy they never <laughs> follow up on that like obviously they weren't inspecting the girls they just went up and started asking them straight out in the room that they just bluffed their way past the dudes they don't even pretend to be doing what they said they were there to do. They just openly yeah. ask the girls about the woman they're looking for. I'm sorry, I should call them women. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't like the bluff is immediately dropped, and there's no follow up. It's like the people they just talked to cease to exist <laughs> as soon as they turned around. It's like a guards in video games. As soon as you like step out of their field of vision, they just don't know what's going on anymore. No, exactly. You just blew their friend's head off with a fireball. But if yeah. you crouch for 20 seconds, you're like, oh, <laughs> well, I guess it was my imagination. Yeah, yeah you dumb guard. It was. Uh, minor yeah, so. plot hole, minor plot hole, admittedly. <laughs> no, I love it. You know, this is what I'm here for. Uh, this is what I'm here for. It's not so bad it's good. It is a good show, but it's got mm-hmm. a lot of just great, you know, great corn, great yeah. mid-90s, uh, you know, mid-budget <laughs> show corn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then from there we go into the chase where they're looking for the girls in the more seedy parts of the station. Right. And we see my favorite character in the episode show up with his badass haircut and his beard and his... yeah. 80s glasses. <laughs> I thought Trachis is one of the more competent 
villains we've seen so mm-hmm. far. He puts a little listening device on yep. uh, Londo. So when these dancers tell uh, Sinclair and Londo where the woman is, he hears that first. Yeah, And he is standing with our old uh, friend, the giant brain mantis. <laughs> mantis man. Yeah, the giant Disney World <laughs> brain mantis <laughs> underworld boss. He's yeah. literally standing in front of him, just like listening. And he's like, okay, can you do this? And, and yeah, so you know soliciting his services and the specific mm-hmm. services he was soliciting was to send these two uh skull breakers yeah uh one of which is our yeah the star of the episode yeah <laughs> uh uh mr mr goatee with the glasses so you know we got a little action a little gunfire very little though i yeah, have to say much, it ended pretty but... quick but it did let the villain get to what's her name again uh, adira adira thank you but we're only told that. They don't really have any more scenes together. Right, right. Which maybe is for the best. <laughs> mm. But anyway, so the villain gets to Adira, which also means that he has the files. Right. So Trachis gets the woman. He gets the files. All is lost. It's the lowest point of the episode. But thankfully, there's one last trick mm-hmm. up old Sacramento and Londo's sleeves. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) this is maybe one of the most like I don't know. This was not a good idea. Sinclair burned a lot of his credibility, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, for not a lot of obvious benefit. But basically, he he got Lando to agree that okay, if I help you with this, you'll vote my way on whatever issue. Mm -hmm. You know, they they never even said what the what the negotiation was. It was just uh, it was just sort of the background. I think it was like the negotiations with the Narn. Like he wanted them to compromise on the the treaty with the Narn, and that's what he was. Yeah, exactly, to do. exactly. So, uh, so Sinclair is going to help him out because of that, and help him out apparently means telling telling bald faced lies to <laughs> Jakar, this other ambassador, yeah, and soliciting the psychic. To do super unethical things. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he's like, oh, a woman's life is in danger. And the psychic is like, is he serious about that woman's life being in danger? It's like, you're psychic. psychic. <laughs> what, do you, what, you know, what do you mean? You yeah, know better I than he does. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're psychic. And then she's like, okay, but I can't read his deep thoughts. It has to be a surface level thought or it'll be highly unethical. And I was like, wow, all right. It sounds like you're blurring some lines, but, but okay. <laughs> And then yeah. she goes up to him and she's just like, oh, and just make sure you don't think about the location of a, de- a deer. <laughs> and I'm like, well, 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 you can't be like only service level thoughts and then do some shit like that. <laughs> that kind of strikes me as like entrapment or something like that. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just <laughs> really uh, plays fast and loose with those psychic, mm-hmm. uh, you know. They're, they're more of guidelines, really. Yeah. Like the Prime Directive. <laughs> like the Prime Directive. Anyway, so as soon as she tricks Trachis, who I don't even remember why Trachis is at this negotiation. Oh, I think he's trying to sell the information. He's trying to sell the data to the Narns. To, yeah. J- to Jakar. Yeah. As soon as that happens, 
Trachis tries to run away and gets knocked mm-hmm. out by by Londo. <laughs> now I have to say, yeah. like like you know, Captain Saint Petersburg set up this whole ambush, mm-hmm. and then his plan was for Londo to knock him out. Right, right. That seemed like a risky, a risky end to this plan. I have to say. True. Yeah, but I think Garibaldi was busy with other things, and so maybe he was unavailable at that point. Yeah, is Garibaldi the only security on this ship? Like, I feel like <laughs> no, there's other security guards. Yeah. Yeah. Are there though? Are yeah, there though? Yeah. Are. are. You'll see more. Don't worry. They're there. Are there though? <laughs> so. Yep. All is well because uh, the the good guys can go save the woman. Oh, and they got the blackmail data files, which it's not so obvious if that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Londo already implied, I think, in the pilot that his family did some like war crimes. So yeah. you know, look, yeah. you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly how we should feel about Londo getting to yeah. uh, keep his secrets. But anyway, there is a sweet moment at the end where he reconciles with. A deer. Well, before we do that, let's wrap up the B plot first, because that. Oh, um, oh, the B plot. Yes. You don't want to forget about that. Well, so. I'll let you take that away. Yeah. So with the B plot, you know, what happens is it's kind of running in parallel to the A plot, and part of that is they detect the gunfire in down below, right? And so Ivanova reaches out to Garibaldi to like, hey, go check this out. I'll make sure that your gremlin doesn't show up again. And then Garibaldi kind of catches on to that senses other security guards of which they do exist i want to know so he had other people go check that out and then he stays around (laughs) not on screen and then he uh stays around to check out what what's up with the gremlin and it turns out that ivanova has been calling back home because her father's dying and so he catches the last couple minutes of a conversation between ivanova and her dad before he dies well you know you know, you say it's the the last conversation, but you know they made a bunch of these calls, and this call opens right. with her dying father being like, "I never thought I'd see you again," which doesn't imply that they talked like five times in the last few days, as the as the sort of communication log implies. I think maybe she was trying to talk to the doctors and stuff to find out what the situation was, you know. So maybe other extended family that were there, perhaps, but. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of a heart-wrenching moment because this is the first time where you see Ivanova's gruffness disappear. Like, you see her get emotional and that. And it's a little difficult, to be honest. And, you know, it's really balanced out by the A-plot because the A-plot's kind of fun, you know, buddy cop sort of story, if you will, with Sinclair and, and Malari at the same time yeah, going in. Yeah, a goofy, lighthearted story of human trafficking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... You know, Garibaldi confronts Ivanova about this, but not in a super direct way. He kind of just implies that he knows what's going on. And you kind of see them building a bridge between each other, right? Because if you recall, Ivanova was actually new to the station. She's only been there for a few weeks. Right, she right, replaced, right. Uh, Takashima. And so he doesn't have that relationship with Ivanova. So this is also building a relationship between them. He basically says, hey, I know what happened. Turns out it was a gremlin. Probably won't happen again, I'm guessing. And then he offers to buy her a drink. Um, so you see them kind of building a relationship there. You also see the more vulnerable side of Ivanova and some character building there um, going on, which is a, a neat little aside. And this will actually be a thread that's pulled back on a little bit later in a couple episodes 
as we see Ivanova develop more as a character. And then from there, we go to the closing scene with Adira, as you were mentioning at the end. Yes, yes, yes. And this is this is where, uh, you know, Lando tells her, oh, I'm not a, I'm an old man. I've had my heart broken before, so, which, you know, I thought yeah. was a lovely bit of uh, lovely <laughs> bit of dialogue. So they ended as friends, I suppose, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was a sweet ending. Um, yeah, although let's be honest, it never ends that nicely in real life. <laughs> no. No, yeah, no. I, I, yeah. Especially you know when you're the victim of a of a honeypot to like yeah. bring down your government. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yeah, Lando, like he's a big man. He he's he forgives easily, and I have to say, uh, you know, a deer again, considering her circumstances, really, is, you know, <laughs> rolling with the with the punches life throws at her. Yeah, yeah. And he does free her from her slavery and servitude. So now she's a free woman. And yeah, that ends the episode. Uh, you see Londo wave goodbye. You see his smile. And then he puts his mask back on and goes back to work, basically. You see a vulnerable side oh, of Londo as well this episode. My sweet, sweet Londo. So yeah, I you know thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I mean, look, we've chatted about it for an hour here. The episode's mm-hmm. only 40 minutes. You might have yep. your editing work cut out for you. <laughs> get it eric yeah. uh but yeah one of, one of my favorite episodes so far a little bit of corn a little bit of misogyny but nothing too bad but uh overall really enjoyable love yeah. me some love me lando episodes uh loved seeing his sidekick <laughs> jakar really gets really gets spit at every episode doesn't he, he does the jokes kind of on jakar a lot huh yeah Early on, he's kind of like a, not not a primary villain, but he's kind of like in the gray area, right? So right, right, right. he gets put in the ball kicking machine a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Jakar. Poor Jakar. Yeah. So, favorite character for the episode? Oh, uh, you know, I was going to say Lando, but actually, I think, I think Space Newman, his sidekick, uh, Vina, Vera, what's his name? Veer. <laughs> Veer. I think Veer was the best. I mean, the space game boy. Mm-hmm. I, I literally laughed out loud when he was playing <laughs> that space game boy. Yeah. Uh, him getting ambassador, uh, you know, full ambassador uh, powers. I got mm-hmm. how, how I wish we had gotten a negotiation scene between the two oh, sidekicks. I, I guarantee uh, that if this had been filmed in the modern era where you have actual hour-long episodes they probably would have had 10 minutes of them negotiating going back and forth and probably playing the video game together (laughs) and both both giving away their respective home worlds yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. well anyway great episode looking forward to the next one i hope all of our listeners will join us for it it was exciting to see you know our our downloads come in from india that's very exciting and you know across the world you know i won't (laughs) let fame change me yeah when you get Uh, the contract from bollywood you'll still be the same person right oh yeah 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 Um, don't address me my name or like look me in the eye obviously (laughs) peasant but uh yeah i won't (laughs) let it change me okay glad to hear glad to hear well with that it's it's quite late and and i've had a full day of 
work and now podcasting so yes have a good night everyone yeah have a good night and a good eating to you all <laughs> good eating to you as well <laughs>